Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented, and let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Good morning. Hour two of the Daily Tip starts right now on the BetQL Network. Jam-packed hour in store if you stay with us, starting with MVP Monday in just a few minutes, who had the best weekend across the entire sports landscape. Then at 7.20, we've got a bit of an NBA roundup. In case you haven't been following, we catch you up on what's going on uh, across the league and what games you can bet on tonight. Then at 7.40, college basketball is officially back. We get you up to speed with what's going on between uh, the biggest contenders for uh, the national title in college basketball. It should be a fun hour. Get your pens and your pencils ready because we got a lot of homework to do. Jenks, that's what I think of uh, when I kind of think of all of these Uh new sports starting. But before we get to MVP Monday, I wanted to ask your take on this. Because uh-huh. I feel like we do a good job of being nuanced on this show and not necessarily just spewing like the hot takes that you kind of see across the board when it comes to some other sports shows. But over the weekend, we saw USC quarterback Caleb Williams visibly upset after losing to Washington. Yes. It appeared that he was crying. And of course, you know, the internet did not take kindly yes. to this. Do you think this is okay for quarterbacks? to show this kind of emotion? Uh, to a point, yes. I, I, I do think it's okay to be vulnerable. I do think it's okay to show emotion. But I will also say that you have to be careful. Put the internet aside for a second. Let's just put that to the mm-hmm. side. If you're talking about being the leader of a football team and – You're talking about someone who has won the Heisman Trophy, who has been to the pinnacle. I think you have to worry about what do the people in that locker room think? So why are you crying? And because it looks like to me that you're taking this, there's a difference between you're taking it hard because of all the work that you put in as a team. And you're taking this hard because you just want to win. It makes you look bad. Maybe it's affecting your draft stock. I don't know. But it comes off to me as being a little too self-involved. I think that's my issue. If you want to say, oh, quarterbacks shouldn't cry or football players should cry, whatever. You can have that argument to yourself. To me, I'm thinking if I watch my quarterback, why isn't he talking to us? Why isn't he with us? Why isn't he Why isn't he next to his brother here who has fought just as hard as he has during the offseason and during this game? And why isn't he with us? And then we can talk about this together. I feel like the thing that bothers me more than anything is that Caleb Williams seems to be on more of an island by himself and worried about what he's going through and everything that he's experiencing and how this might affect him as opposed to how this is affecting the rest of the team because this is not the first time we've seen something like this this season. And wherever we see it, it's Caleb Williams doing his own thing. That's the concern to me. Right. It felt like he was mourning the loss of his Heisman and his draft yes. stock here yes. as opposed to mourning the loss of, you know, his team. Because I feel like most normal athletes, wouldn't you be crying in the locker room? 
Like as much as I dump on Cam Newton, at least he's going to his own locker room and crying with his right. teammates, you know, with his towel around his head. Um, so it's not the fact that he's crying and showing emotion. I think that is fine. Like we've seen it from other quarterbacks this year. After what was it? The win over Oregon, Michael Penix Jr. had like happy tears because it was such mm -hmm. an emotional moment for him. But you're right. I think it's the place that it's coming from. And also it's not just one isolated incident. This is the quarterback who was asking for ownership in the team. Like, was that just a rumor? Like, obviously, like, it could have just been a rumor. I think this is allegedly speaking. Yeah. He was a quarterback that was making some very high demands in a draft that he hadn't been even taken in yet. So it just feels right. like maybe his head is getting a little bit too big. And again, it feels odd when you see somebody like mourning a loss, not beside their teammates. I think that's exactly it. He seemed you you said it perfectly, which is are you just concerned with how this is going to affect you and your accomplishments because that's what it feels like to me. Where are your teammates? Why aren't you with mm -hmm. them? Yeah, or maybe he's just a mama's boy. I don't know. Uh, but that was what <laughs> I took away from it. I do not know him personally. But let's talk about the best of the weekend and bring in David here to do a little MVP Monday. MVP Monday. I will say this, and I will just leave it at this. I've been the biggest Caleb Williams detractor that I know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> I Listen, from the first loss to this loss, it's been progressively worse. He's yelling at his teammates the first loss. The second loss, after they lose, he sits on the sideline for 10 minutes and pouts by himself, by the way, like you mm -hmm. said. And then on this loss, he goes up to his family who have to console him and put a piece of paper over his face so people can't visibly see him cry. So it, it's very interesting. I Listen, the guy's got all the talent in the world, all the physical talent in the world. It, once again, I will say, I think it comes down to him being mentally tough, and I'm not sure if he's got mm -hmm. that and if he'll make it in the NFL. But that being said, let's transition to our MVPs and the guy that made him cry. Dylan mm -hmm. Johnson, Washington Huskies. And now ready for Dylan Johnson. Can they get him? Dodge the pylon. Touchdown. Johnson on the pitch. Gets the drive started with a big chunk play. It's a foot race. Dylan Johnson finally shoved out of bounds. Johnson. Touchdown number four. What a duel. The Huskies running back carried 26 times for 256 yards and four touchdowns as number five Washington remained undefeated on the season with a 52-42 to win over number 20 USC. Johnson and the Huskies moved to 9-0 on the season. Nominee number two, Jalen Milrow. So Alabama would love a score here with just over a minute to go in this quarter. Milrow. Thinking about throwing it again, and now he takes off. Jalen Milrow, touchdown, Alabama. Second down and five. Alabama could get a first down at the six-yard line. And it's Jalen Milrow, pump fakes. Jalen Milrow, touchdown, Alabama. Again, four for number four. Milrow completed 15 of 23 passes for 219 yards, but it was his running ability that sparked Alabama to their 42-28 win over LSU. Milrow carried 20 times for 155 yards 
and four touchdowns as the Crimson Tide moved to 6-0 and in the SEC West and 8-1 and overall. Nominee number three, C.J. Stroud, Houston Texans. And now, can they win it? Stroud to the end zone. Touchdown! Tank Dell! C.J. Stroud leads a magical drive. Stroud threw for 470 yards and five touchdowns as the Texans beat Tampa Bay 39-37. Stroud led a game-winning drive going 75 yards in just 40 seconds for the winning score over the Bucks with a 15-yard TD pass to Nathaniel Dell, who caught his second TD of the day. And nominee number four, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Blaney, NASCAR. Chastain down the back stretch for the final time. Blaney is going to run in his tire tracks. You know, winning is in his family's DNA, and Ryan has just crested the mountain of all wins. Ryan Blaney is a NASCAR Cup Series champion. Blaney finished second in the race at the Phoenix Raceway, but finished number one in the Cup Series, taking home his first season-long NASCAR title. The 29-year-old driver, the second consecutive cup title for Roger Penske Racing following Joey Logano's win in 2022. Basically, Blaney has turned left better than anyone else this year. So, Jenks, who is your Monday MVP? Got to give it to C.J. Stroud, baby. Oh, my God. What a performance. I mean, really, what a performance. When you see a performance like this, this was a performance that you would put on when he was playing at Ohio State and they were taking on Iowa or something. I mean, to throw for five touchdown passes and 470 yards in the National Football League and then to lead this comeback was unbelievable. Houston has a quarterback. And C.J. Stroud already looks like the class of the bunch. And he even said before this drive, give me the football, let, let me win this game for us. And that's exactly what he did. And if you listen to the guys in that locker room, you don't necessarily get that benefit of the doubt if you play in the NFL, particularly if you're a rookie quarterback. To a man, every person in that Texas locker room has been saying for a few weeks now, oh, C.J.'s the guy. This guy's a hell of a quarterback. He's a hell of a leader. He's our guy. He showed it yesterday. This guy's going to be an absolute star. C.J. Stroud, MVP. C.J. Stroud's definitely a great one, but maybe I'm going to throw out a name there that we haven't mentioned just yet. Can we give some love to Josh Dobbs, quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings? Yes, the Vikings now. He was on the Cardinals. He was on the Steelers. He was on the Titans. But now he is leading game-winning drives for the Minnesota Vikings. He just got there. He was thrown into the mix after Jaron Hall got a concussion because Kirk Cousins tore his ACL. So now the Vikings are on their backup, backup quarterback. The expectations were not high for Josh Dobbs. We're not talking about a first-round quarterback. We're talking about a guy that was drafted in 2017 by the Steelers and had to wait five years to make a start in the NFL. All he did was go 20 of 30, two touchdowns, and hit the game-winning touchdown with 22 seconds left on the clock for a comeback win for the Vikings, 31-28 to 28 over the Falcons. Yes, it's not a lot to play for for the Vikings, but I feel like Josh Dobbs deserves some credit, so I'll give it to him. Josh Dobbs, my MVP of this Monday. Well, 
Definitely not giving it to Josh Dobbs. Jerk. Um, yeah, we had him in Survivor. We had the Falcons. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Dylan Johnson from Washington for the Washington Huskies. Uh, when you think Washington Huskies, you definitely think Michael Penix Jr. and those two – the the wide receiver core that is just elite for them in that passing game but for him to show up in the way that he did in a game that was just absolutely must watch 256 yards four touchdowns puts them on his back and you could visibly see like after the game that that kid was exhausted like he gave his everything <laughs> in that game so my my MVP for this week absolutely goes to Dylan Johnson, who put literally put the Huskies on his back and ran with it. So Dylan Johnson. There were a lot of good okay. ones this weekend. Like, I think you could argue for a lot of these guys other than like, I'm not going to give it to Ryan Blaney because he didn't win the actual race. Like, don't you kind of have to have like the cherry on top of the cake or the dessert to win MVP Monday because it was actually Ross, Chast- uh, Ross Chastain that won that actual race. But nobody chose uh, Jalen Milrow, huh? Well, I think it's also because, A, we he sort of set the bar and he, he tends to do this, but also, B, LSU can't stop anybody. So not tonight. He was unbelievable, okay? He was fantastic. Mm. Let's give him his props. But also, LSU has proven all season long. I believe going into this game, they had, what, the 84th-ranked rushing defense in college football. So, yes, awesome Jalen Miller, but also you're going up against a team that has proven it just doesn't stop the run. Yeah, defense is really bad. Uh, It felt like a lot of Heisman campaigns came to an end because didn't we think that this would be a good shot for Jaden Daniels to possibly win the Heisman? But obviously, when you leave the game with an injury and your team doesn't win, that kind of sucks for you. But he did look unstoppable in the first half. Yeah, he was awesome. I mean, he's 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 unfortunately a victim of just like we were talking about where he's lights out. He can do everything. But especially in college football, more so than other sports, you do have to win. And your Heisman Trophy candidate gets punished for those losses, even if it's not your responsibility. Yeah, even though Caleb Williams, you deserve some of the the discredit for your own cat, uh, Heisman campaign because I don't think he's somebody that can sit there and say, well, I did all I could do. It's my defense's fault, which, you know, the defense hasn't been great for USC either, uh, but we will see who actually wins the Heisman. Are you actually going to watch the Heisman? I don't think I've actually watched the ceremony in a long time. I think the last time I watched yeah. it was when Joe Burrow won the award. And that was one of the better speeches I think I've seen in a long time. Obviously, I haven't been watching it, but still, I remember his speech being so good at the Heisman. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of the last. I think that's the last one I watched as well. And then before that, I think the one I watched was years earlier. It, it's, I don't consider it, and I'll tell you why, I don't consider it must-watch because more often than not, we know who's going to win it, right? Most of it's just pomp and circumstance. Yeah. Rarely do you have actual drama at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. You know who's going to get it. I'm also wondering when we're going to have a quarterback like Joe Burrow and a team like LSU. Georgia's been really dominant, but it didn't seem to have like the domination factor that we saw that year with LSU. We'll see. Maybe I'll get some angry tweets from Georgia fans. After the break, we get to NBA. What you need to know before you bet tonight on the, uh, on the Daily Tip. 
Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. Off and rolling on this Monday edition of the Daily Tip. In a few minutes, we'll dive into the NBA, the in-season tournament, they are calling it. And mm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not super pumped about it. Jenks, over the weekend, I was looking at the rules for this in-season NBA Cup. Yes. And it was about a three-page explainer on the rules and the format. And you lost me after, like, the first paragraph. Do you think casual NBA fans are going to scroll through all of these explainers say, a group from this cup, uh, this group will take the most wins out of this group and then advance to the knockout stage? Like, maybe it's similar to the World Cup. Like, this is the only time I have heard this format or yeah. terminology. But what are we doing here? Why does it have to be so complicated? I don't know. I don't need this. Here's the thing. Nobody was asking for this. Nobody. That's what it comes down to. I don't know the rules. Like there's five groups of four or five or six based on your likes and dislikes and your horoscopes. <laughs> and then if you win by eight points, those teams move on to the next round. And then Kendrick Perkins personally selects the people that move on to Las Vegas. And then when you go to Vegas, the court is definitely going to be at least teal or some rando color. And then the second cousins of Bam Adebayo will referee the game. And then everyone stays at Circus Circus. And the first team to win by four in the fourth quarter wins. The, it's like it's so – and then you got to pick the winner of the Kentucky Derby at the end. Like, I don't know. It's all over the place. I have no idea what these rules are, and I don't care. But here's the thing. The season just started. That's what I don't get to. The NBA season just got underway. Like, I'm just now – looking at teams that are off to hot starts, who's playing well, who's not. And like, you're already like having this in season tournament. I, I just, I don't like it at all. Yeah. You're competing with football and this is the nonsense that you choose to do. I think bottom line, they are trying to, uh, at the heart of the issue is they're trying to make teams not rest players. Like, isn't that the yes. issue that the Correct. NBA is facing is that load management has become rampant in the NBA and maybe this is Adam Silver's way to try and, you know, curtail that just a little bit. But do the rules have to be so complicated? I think that is my beef with this tournament. Because when I first saw it, I was like, okay, you know, you do like a March Madness style tournament for like a week of the season. You know, nobody's going to be that mad about it. And it would probably be a little fun. But now that there are all these rules and things to keep up with, it's not fun anymore. It feels like Game of Thrones where I have to have a notepad to, <laughs> you know, determine what's going on because, you know, my attention span has a limit and it has been reached after the first paragraph of rules. So, you know, we don't really know the rules of this NBA Cup and that is our two cents on this moving forward. But let's look at maybe some ways to bet on the NBA tonight. We do have some good matchups. We've got Lakers Heat, Bucks Nets, Clippers Knicks. Spurs, Pacers, and Pelicans, and Nuggets. Jenks, is there anything that has caught your attention 
in the NBA this early on? Because I think the one thing that I see from this schedule is that Victor Wimbignano is playing. I've already looked. Yes. There are no player props posted just yet for nope. Spurs and Pacers. But Wimby has delivered when it comes to freak talent. We've seen him have games where he had five blocks. He's been jumping over mm -hmm. guys. And plus the shooting touch has been pretty incredible as well. He's had some high point totals in some of these games. So is there anything that you are wanting to pay attention to in the NBA right now? Oh God. I, well, I would say this. I would say that Wimby is definitely someone you would look at maybe with a player prop, but also he's become so popular so quick and he's such a phenomenon mm -hmm. that maybe you get value. Maybe you don't. I was looking yesterday and you, you think about scoring and rebounding, but also he has, he has actually one steal in six of his seven games this season. He has at least one block in every game last season, including five last night against the Raptors. So maybe if you look hard enough, and again, they're not posted yet at BetMGM, you can find some sort of block prop, steals prop, and maybe find a little value there because I feel like, of course, you go to scoring and rebounding first, right? And probably blocks because Wimanyana is 11 feet tall. But I think a steals prop is interesting <laughs> because he's had at least one steal in almost every game this season. Yeah, it really depends on the line that they're giving you. Because I know the blocks prop, at least early on in the season, was two and a half. So even yeah. if he gets one block, like, he's not getting it for you. Obviously, he has that high-end potential where he could go way over it and finish with five blocks. But it's still not something that you can probably count on each and every night. As far as spread betting goes, I don't think I even want to touch any of these games just yet. Like, I think player props are the only direction that I will be leaning in for the foreseeable mm -hmm. future. Just because even if a team wins a game, like you're looking at some of these spreads and, you know, I think the toughest part of betting on the NBA is the wild lead changes. I feel like yes. we don't see this in any other sport more than the NBA. And I guess you could look at it and say, okay, this is the best sport to live bet because it is not mm -hmm. out of the ordinary for a team to give up a 30 point lead in the NBA. Yes, it's embarrassing, but I feel like it happens all the time. Oh, yeah. It'll drive you crazy. The ebb and flow of an NBA game will drive you mad if you're betting on it. I guess the good thing is it depends on how you look at it, right? If you're way behind, if you're laying the points with some favorite and they're down 20, then you're like, oh, my God. The good news is, is that you got if you've got a quarter and a half left, you're, it's, it's not even close to being over. So this didn't used to be the case. This is how the NBA has evolved over time. But when you have totals this high, like a good example is this. Spurs at Pacers tonight, the total is 238 and a half. I mean, that's a super high total. And sometimes we see higher totals. But when you have that many points scored, just naturally, there's going to be these fluctuations that you wouldn't have gotten maybe 15, 20 years ago because defense wasn't more of a premium. This is not an old man rant about playing defense in the NBA. It's just the reality of where we are, where you are going to see these massive swings. So if you're going to watch an NBA game and you're betting on either a favorite an underdog or an over-under, whatever it is, you just got to buckle up and sell in for the ride. Yeah, it's not for the weak of stomach. I have a specific play that I was going to run past you because it is early sure. in the year. We are still getting our feet wet when it comes to betting on the NBA because this is one that's based on the matchup. I'm looking at the Sixers facing off with the Wizards tonight. And if you look squarely oh. at the matchup, 
The Wizards are among one of the worst teams when it comes to giving up assists. If you look at overall, they have given up the second most assists of any team in the NBA. And so I was looking at Tyrese Maxey for the Sixers. Obviously, he had 10 assists Mm -hmm. last game, but here's where the beat writer special comes in. There have been articles after uh, the press conference with Nick Nurse who said he wants Tyrese Maxey to be way more aggressive. And he says he's missing open shots that he is deferring to other players. He's passing more than I would like him to. Does this mean Mm -hmm. you should be off of his assists despite the matchup here? Or do you think at five and a half assists, Tyrese Maxey is still somebody who is going to deal some dimes here? Well, normally that's his game, but you pointed out, is his game changing enough now? And not game changing, but what they're asking him to do. Certainly the talent is there. He can hit that. I think the question is you have to ask yourself is, is he being asked to do something different in a role this season that maybe he wasn't being able or wasn't asked to do before? I still like it, but then I will be the first person to tell you, I have not done my annual Tyrese Maxey deep dive that I always do. (laughs) Well, that's why I was asking you from a strategy perspective. This is less about me asking you, like, would you play this as opposed to when you see an article that kind of lays something out to where it's like, hey, dude, can you not pass as much? Would you still be on assist prop? Because I think defensively, the Wizards are not a great team. They usually give up a lot of points. So this also, it can, both things can be true. He can score more points and also, also have more assists in this game. Simply because the Wizards are probably not going to be stopping Joel Embiid and company. And obviously his role, uh, Tyrese Maxey's role changes a little bit with uh, James Harden, not in the fold there. And I think that's where Mm -hmm. usually you can get some value when it comes to player props. When there are injuries or trades or something that will change the usage of a specific player. Uh, Let's look at uh, the rest of these games. I know you have not shown much interest in betting on the NBA, uh, but are there any other storylines that you think are worth monitoring? I guess I can throw this one out there. The Pelicans and the Nuggets. Okay, go ahead. You go first. No, I was just going to say, I did a, a rudimentary glance and just wrote down some notes yesterday and just getting ready for the show i will say this about the nets and matt put this in the chat earlier i do like the nets tonight at home getting five and a half just based on what they've done this season they're a perfect 4-0 against the spread ben simmons is rested didn't play against the celtics on saturday and i feel like if you're the bucks we've seen this early on i mean again it's very early they're still trying to figure out how to work Giannis and dame in the same lineup together so i think you're getting value on brooklyn at home getting five and a half points. So that's one of the, that's one of the better bets that I like tonight in the NBA. I would think from a logic standpoint that going against some of the juggernauts in the NBA early on in the year would not be a terrible play. And I'm trying to see if those actually match. You're looking at the bucks so far this season, they're one and four against the spread. So that plays true. What about the mm-hmm. Nuggets? Because uh, maybe they're yeah, a team like that doesn't have much to prove. They just won a championship. Why do they need to be covering numbers? They're four and three against the spread. But the one trend that we saw last year, the Nuggets at home, that's not when you really want to bet against them. They are exactly. three and one against the spread uh, so far this season. It is a very small sample size. But still, I think if you're betting against like the big dogs, maybe early in the season, it's the time to do it. 
Yeah, I think so too. Now, when it comes to the Nuggets, I probably late with the Nuggets just based on not just what we saw, have seen this year, but also last year. You mentioned they were the third best record against mm-hmm. the spread at home, 31-20-1. and And then also, unlike a team like the Bucks, for example, or maybe the Lakers or Clippers, some of these bigger name teams, they, they had some off-season movement where they're still sort of adjusting to how that team identity is going to take shape. I mentioned Dame and Giannis, and then you look at the Lakers, how they've retooled the Clippers now adding James Harden. So when you look at the Nuggets, what did they do? There, yeah, there's been a couple of small changes. For the most part, this is the same exact team following the same exact script. And why wouldn't they? Right? They've lost one game this season. You mentioned how good they are at home. So unlike a lot of other of those big name teams, they're not dealing with nearly as much turnover, which makes them easier to bet because you know what you're going to get. Yeah, I was just looking to see if they had odds on the NBA Cup. And if you think there's any value betting on that, because like I outlined, we're not super into it. We don't even know the rules. I just know it's Mm -hmm. very complicated. But I think this is one of the markets where you can kind of fade the big name teams. Like, do you really want to take the Bucks five to one or the Celtics six to one? Even though for the Celtics, it's a team that I have trouble trusting in the regular um, postseason. Maybe this is their time to shine. But I think this is where you go further down the odds board because it's a tournament that we've never had before. And I feel like it allows the most volatility of any quote-unquote championship market. So maybe there's a team further down the list that's been playing well as one of those like mid-market teams. Not even mid-market, but you get what I'm saying. They don't have the big guys on the roster that you would consider if you are betting on a regular um, postseason title, an NBA Finals championship. So... Uh, I don't think I'd take any of the favorites there, but I didn't realize this tournament goes until like December. It lasts yeah, a long yes. time. So should we sure wait until at least the group stage has been played until we get to the knockout stage? Like that's all that I can basically gather from this. There are two stages. There's the group stage mm-hmm. and the knockout stage. Should we wait at least until then? I don't think we should. I think you should. I think you should wait until the knockout stage and then you can place as many NBA bets as you want for a hot second. Not that your, your hosting isn't enthralling, but you were talking about the NBA cup for a second. And for a second, my, my mind goes, Hmm, I sure am hungry. What am I going to have for breakfast <laughs> this morning? Like the I just do not get it. And I, here's the thing. I haven't, I haven't heard a single person mention the NBA cup to me. I've heard someone say NBA. Hey, have you watched the NBA? What do you think about Wimbanyana or Yama? What do you think of college football, NFL, blah, 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 blah. Have you heard anyone just offhand say, I don't know what's going to happen in the NBA Cup tonight, do you? No, I don't. End of conversation. I've heard no one mention it. No, I'm pretty sure most people don't know what this is called. And what do you think the NBA Cup looks like? Do you think it's a physical cup? Because I'm imagining so. like, you know, like a Slurpee cup or a cup from 7-Eleven filled with like Sprite. Wasn't Sprite the NBA drink for like a long time? I always oh, think yeah. of the NBA when I think of Sprite. Yes, I would like to imagine it as a just a small, just a small coffee cup. Now, should that be coffee, a coffee <laughs> cup that, coffee that cup. is that it that it, that is covered in gold? No. I just want a basic white porcelain coffee cup. And it's like, here you go. You just won the NBA Cup. Get yourself a cup of joe and get ready for the second half of the season. we got a long way to go until the title. 
That or like one of those um, commemorative cups or like the, the souvenir cups that they charge you like $13 for. <laughs> right. Like this piece of plastic was $13? Like, yep, it's the NBA cup. <laughs> there you go. All right, we got to talk college hoops on the other end because college basketball starts tonight. Let's go. That's next on The Daily Tip. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to The Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. And we're back, off and rolling, and guess what? College basketball is officially back. I had to check the calendar. That's right. On November 6th, we are already back in action for college hoops. Even though I feel like the season doesn't really start mm, until March for me. Like, I will bet on these daily games. But when it comes to the futures market, I don't think I'm super interested in placing a pregame or a preseason wager on who's going to win it all. Because doesn't it feel like of any sport, this really has the most volatility of any format of the postseason? March Madness? Yes, I feel like, oh, especially when we get to the tournament. I mean, we know how the tournament is. That's yeah. why they call it madness, because it's going to be all over mm -hmm. the place. But even during the regular season, that's why, and we see so many people do this, I think you're good at this as well, is that because there is so much volatility, be it now or come tournament time, the best thing to do is to look beyond the major conferences, beyond the big names, and try. I know it's fun to bet on the big game matchups. I get that, and I'm not saying don't have some fun and do that. But if you really want to try to find some consistent value, you really have to look at mid-majors and go off the grid a little bit. Oh, for sure. When it comes to a daily uh, betting basis. Yes. But I'm talking about when betting on the futures market. Like, are you really going to take Kansas off the jump as the favorite? Like, you are getting pretty long odds. I'll give you that because as opposed to other yeah. sports, the favorite is normally like plus 450, say in the NFL. But also, there is a finite amount of teams that can win it in the NFL as opposed to college basketball where it feels like there are so many teams that could possibly win March Madness. Now, normally it is one of those blue bloods who is at least contending for a national championship. Mm -hmm. Here's the question I wanted to ask. Do you think we'll see as much parity in this year's March Madness as we saw last year? Like, think about all the underdog teams that not only won games in March Madness, but made it to like the final mm -hmm. stages. Like look at yeah. Florida Atlantic. Look at, I feel like Fairleigh Dickinson made it pretty far in March Madness. It felt like last year's March Madness is a tournament that will not be repeated. I, yeah, it's, it's tough to say. I, last year was special in the pantheon of March Madness, but when you have someone like Fairleigh Dickinson, that's a perfect example. But then again, you know, UMBC pulled off that incredible upset over Virginia two or three years ago. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I I always feel like when it comes to March Madness, at least for me, we tend to have a, a little bit of recency bias because there's a huge amount of upsets and you're like, oh, my God, we're not going to see this again. But then I guarantee you, come March, we're going to start seeing this again. We're a team you never expect rises up, has a huge run. You can go back, I mean, forever. 
what was it, Florida Gulf Coast University, where they were just dunking the ball all over the place a few years ago. I'm just trying to go off the top of my head here. But this is just one of the things, this is one of the reasons why people love college basketball. Well, I'm not saying that we won't see upsets at all. I'm saying we may not see those teams in the final stages. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Right. Like, it wasn't yes. Duke and Carolina matching up uh, for the national championship this year, even or last year, even though it was UConn, who was one of the favorites to win it all going into the tournament, who actually won the national championship. So for me, I don't think I'll be betting on any of these futures until a little bit later in the season. And speaking yeah. of volatility, I think you also have to take this into consideration. There are so many transfers in college basketball that sometimes it takes a few months or at least a few weeks for these teams to kind of find their chemistry. And here's also the thing about college hoops. Like it feels like the transfer portal is busier than it's ever been. And if you haven't been paying attention, there are a few big transfers that you need to know about over the summer. The splashiest one was Hunter Dickinson of Michigan, Michigan, going to Kansas. I feel like that is the number one move that everybody was following, and that is probably why Kansas is your favorite to win it all. Also, for you, Jenks, your Longhorns picking up Max Admus mm -hmm. of Oral Roberts, a team that, if you follow March Madness, is usually there. Usually they shoot a bunch of threes. That was a big one. And also Caleb Love from UNC transferring to Arizona, which was kind of weird to me. I thought, mm -hmm. you want to transfer away from North Carolina? What's going on there? Was it just about the money? But, you know, in this day and age, yeah. it certainly can be about the money and nobody can say anything. So, Jenks, do you have a take on Max Abmus going to Texas? I know you're a huge Longhorn fan. They were a great team last year, at least defensively speaking. They did fall short, obviously. They did not win at yeah. all. But do you like your Longhorns going into this season? Yeah, I, I do, I, I at least from a value perspective, because right now if you're looking at the Big 12 regular season championship odds, then you've got Kansas, the favorite, at plus 150, Houston plus 375, which I like a lot. But Texas at plus 550 I think is is interesting. I think the real roll of the dice with Texas isn't Abbott's coming over or Caden Shedrick coming over from Virginia because they have a talented roster. But now you get Rodney Terry with a, a full season to coach this Texas Longhorns team. And so – he did a great job last year. There's no question about it. But a team can take on a different personality when you have a full offseason with a new head coach and he gets to sort of put his imprint on the team. So I like the talent that they have acquired via the portal. And Dylan Disu is still sort of a question mark because he had a foot injury. I don't know if he's going to be 100% healthy. But I'm big on Texas this season, at least value-wise. But I want to see how they perform under Roger Terry. Oh, for sure. And I think that's my general takeaway is a wait and see approach when it comes to college basketball, just even at least a week, because I don't think it's super smart to go, you know, diving headfirst into yeah. any sport that you don't have any kind of sample size because there's such a revolving door when it comes to whoever's on the court for most of these teams. Like maybe it's not the same deal for some of these mid-majors. And that's maybe where you can find some value if there's a team that returns a bunch of starters and they're basically the same team as last year. Maybe those are the teams you need to be looking at. But early on the year, what we're going to be seeing is some massive spreads when it comes to these uh, top dogs. They're going to be pay playing non-conference opponents. And I'm not really super interested in those games because it feels like they go one of two directions. Either the Blue Blood wins by like 60 points or they barely eke out these wins because it's not crazy to see these big names even lose outright 
to some bad teams early in the year just because they're working in different rosters. So for me, I'm not going to be betting on any of those games. What is your strategy early on? Do you look at these games or are you somebody who's going to wait at least a week before you kind of dip your toe in? I'm going to try. I'm going to try to find some futures plays that I like, but as far as individual games, then that's something I'll probably stay away from. And, and for one of the reasons you mentioned, which is it just takes time for these teams to come together, particularly when you're talking about so many different changes on each particular roster. Like Arizona is is crazy to me. And, and you mentioned Caleb Love, and then they got Umar Balo from Gonzaga, Keyshawn Johnson from San Diego State, which had an incredible run. So all of a sudden you have a team like Arizona has a massive amount of talent anyway, and Tommy Lloyd has done a brilliant job in his first couple of seasons as a head coach, and then they add all this other talent. So that's someone I would take a look at right now. They're 20 to 1. Just based on talent alone, I think there's value there on the Wildcats. But at the same time, it is early in the season, and these odds will fluctuate. But at the very least, as opposed to individual game handicapping, I think you can find a little more consistency if you look at the talent on the roster, how a team performed last year, and then maybe find value futures-wise. You said Keyshawn Johnson? Am I missing something? No, no, no. No, 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 no. Not Keyshawn Johnson. No, no, no. Uh, Keyshawn, wait, Keyshad Johnson. I was like, does, I know he no. has a son, but man, do I feel, Keyshad. does he have another not son? No, 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 We're getting no, no. to that Very age similar, but not it's the same. like <laughs> these big names that have like sons and you're like, God, I'm old. He already has a son that's in college <laughs> no. and doing big things. Uh, so for a second, I was no. like, man, Keyshawn Johnson, he's got another, you know, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. running around there. But I think, you know, my takeaway for this is I know people are listening thinking, well, give us some picks. Listen, cool your jets. We'll give you some picks in about a week. I need to see some of these teams, I don't know, involved in a few games. But here is my other advice going forward for the college basketball season. I say you pick one or two conferences and you stay there. Because I think the mm -hmm. toughest part about college basketball is looking at the slate and seeing, what, 100 games? Like, literally, there are hundreds of games on the slate when it comes to some of these big days of the week where everybody yeah. is playing. The more you specialize and the more you narrow the field, I think the sharper you can be. Because nobody's going to be able to know everything about every single team. So you pick a conference and you follow that conference all season long. And that way you can kind of have a better handle on what's going on. Uh, when it comes to those teams, once March Madness rolls around, that's when you can start looking at all the teams and say, okay, I really got to start studying. But in the meantime, I think I'll be looking at like maybe one or two conferences. No, I hear that. I went through yesterday and tried to look at some futures here for each individual conference. I'll give you one more national title pick that I do like at least right now, because you can get it at 16 to one and it's Michigan state just because First of all, you can never go wrong with a tried and true head coach like Tom Izzo, right? Number two, they have an awesome backcourt. We know A.J. Hoggard, Tyson Walker are going to be there. So that backcourt is as good as any in the country. And what I was reading about yesterday, which I, I think is interesting, is that generally the way Izzo recruits is he'll get some big-name recruits, no question. But his his history is to take these, these Midwestern guys who are very talented and sort of mold them over three or four years, these blue-collar basketball guys. But in addition to Hoggard and Walker, he also has a huge recruiting class with four four-star recruits 
coming in. That is not necessarily the way Michigan State always does things. So if he can take that young talent and mold it with the guys already in the backcourt and you have a Hall of Fame head coach, Michigan State at 16-1 to win the national title, I do think is interesting. I do think and I do wonder if that's going to be a storyline and a betting angle from here on out is betting on a team based on the coach. Because in years past, it is rung true. There is a reason that you see Tom Izzo year in and year out in the final mm-hmm. four and at least the sweet, sweet 16 because coaching does matter, I think, in college hoops. But it feels like it's starting to, I don't know, matter less or that – you know, the the nature of the game has just changed so much. Do you think we'll sure. continue to see those big-name head coaches really be a factor when it comes to the postseason? I, I do, but I know what you're saying is that in-game mm-hmm. decisions will be huge. At the same time, developing talent is going to be more of a lost art because guys either leave quickly or go to the NBA. Yeah, even though Coach Cal's been doing that for years. Uh, whether <laughs> legally or not, who knows? I'm not the NCAA. That burden's not on me. All right, we'll talk, uh, I think, Thursday night football after the break. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BeckQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.